When others treat your fries as an afterthought, all you're left with are cold, soggy fries. That's why Wendy's new fries are ones you won't forget. Guaranteed to be hot and crispy. Or we'll replace them. We're talking natural cut skin on fries, perfectly seasoned with a hint of sea salt. In fact, they're even preferred almost two to one over McDonald's. These are fries so hot and crispy, they beg a new question. What would you like with your fries? Try them today. Only at Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's. Taste preference based on a national taste test by an independent research company. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a lounge singer to be their office receptionist. Hello, this is Mickey Marquis, and you've reached the office of Doug and Associates. <laughs> Thank you very much. Catch me Tuesday nights at the Hotel Johnson. Hello? But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Doug and Associates, this is Mickey Marquis. Hello? For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. the Browns Wire Podcast. This is your host, Josh Keeley, with me and your host of All Eyes on Cleveland, Brad Ward. Brad, how are you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Well, I owe it to you since you had me on your show well, it was a couple months back. You're, you actually pulled a lot of guests. The week before I went on, it was Eric Metcalf, so I don't know why I was next. But <laughs> Yeah, tough act to follow there, I know. But uh, you did an outstanding job for sure, and uh, I am always a fan of your writing, And uh, uh, as we both write at The Wire, so uh, good stuff. Yeah, and last week you had not one but two Indianapolis Colts preview shows. Do, you, do, you have, do we have something to look forward to this weekend as far as the Steelers go? Yeah, yes, uh, we do. We got uh, Ike Taylor scheduled for uh, Wednesday, longtime Steeler cornerback, and uh, I'm excited to get him on the show and talk to him about the uh, matchup. Yeah, that's wild. He's going to bring some unique insight. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he actually he did, he was on the team when Joe Hayden was first traded to, or not. I'm sorry, was released and picked up by Pittsburgh too, right? Yeah, I believe so. I, I think he's just a couple years removed, actually. So that's why. Yeah. So that'll that'll be really interesting because that's actually something I want to dive into when we get to the Steelers part. But let's before we get into that, let's let's kind of relish in the victory a little bit. The let's Browns are now, it. yeah, the Browns are now four and one. They beat the Indianapolis Colts thirty two to twenty three, downing the Colts to three and two. What were your initial reactions, man? Oh man, it was fantastic. You know, uh, I felt really good about it um, afterwards because I felt like you know the Browns. Uh, left some points on the field and I felt like they didn't even play their best game. And yet they were still able to win that game against a team that uh, I thought was going to, I thought it was going to be a lot more of a struggle, I guess, um, than it, than it actually was uh, listening to all of the national pundits. And I kind of made a comment about that on Twitter because a lot of people were on the Colts, you know, uh, just like, hey, they're not going to be able to run the ball against the Colts. And they, they did struggle too, but I felt like Stefanski's plan was uh, almost flawless in the first half. Yeah, yeah, they, they look really good. I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. One of the things we do on the show is we talk about who we would take against the spread. Uh, I haven't bet against Cleveland this year. I did bet on them when the – when they lost against the spread to, I think it was the Ravens. Uh, but I haven't bet on the game. But every week, I, I not every week, I took them obviously over the Redskins. But last week, I took the Colts too, right? The, I mean, you know, the Colts were 
I mean, I think that everybody preseason had the basically as a top 10 team, kind of a lot to make the playoffs, thinking Phillip Rivers was going to do something. Uh, and then Paris Campbell looked really good week one. And their defense is fantastic. We talked about last week on the show, Darius Leonard flying to the ball. And the other linebackers are, are, are very good, too. You, you kind of saw that with Bobby Okariki. So yeah, I, I'm really, really, really impressed by how the Browns' offense looked. And we talked about you, – you brought up the run game supposedly struggling. And that's, that's true. The stats weren't – were fantastic. I think Dernis Johnson only had like 30 yards rushing, but I feel like when it popped, it, I feel like when they needed it, it worked. He had that 20-yard rush in the first half, and I feel like that was just kind of like a spark plug with it, with it itself. Does that make sense? I feel like it was more impactful than what the statistics lead you to believe. Yeah, and, and you know, Stefanski, I give him credit. He was so patient with it, you know. Like, he's so dedicated to the run game, and – and it's really hard to do. Like, look at, for example, like the identity of the Colts. What they want to do is they want to run the ball too, right? They're run first oh, yeah. too. They give it to Jonathan Taylor 12 times in that game. Uh, so, I mean, that's crazy. But Stefanski just stayed with the run game, uh, kept mixing it in, kept mixing it in, and it paid off, especially down at the end of the game when they needed to ice it. And, uh, you know, they get the big uh, a couple runs there and, and then the big run by Dearness Johnson. But... Really, like, I th- felt like he came out with a great game plan, like, totally neutralized. Like, that defensive line is, like, over-aggressive. They're going to get put pressure on you. But he came out with, you know, tight end screen right away. You know, misdirection here, misdirection there. Mm-hmm. And that's how you neutralize a defensive line like that. Like, you know, they're they're sitting around like, you know, when can I, when can I blitz? You know, when can I go after this guy? I got, you know right left right left like and he kept them on their toes and it was a really good game plan that way and uh the browns are playing great complimentary football right now it's wild it's wild how productive the offense was like you said it kind of shut down the second half and i don't i don't really have a good reason for that other than you know it caught the, the colts defense isn't bad the colts defense is very very good i believe going into the week they were the number one rated defense um, so, you know, it wasn't – I'm surprised that they got to 30 points, to be quite honest with you. But in the first half, they absolutely dominated. They had 16 first downs, 284 yards total, and they scored 20 points on a team that – I think the most points they allowed up to that point was like 12. So I it was just came away just blown away by how effective that offense was. Again, I'm not really sure what happened in the second half. Yeah. You, know, you, you can't expect them to, to blow every team, you know, to wow. the – yeah, yeah you, you just can't expect that. But the first half was just absolutely insane. And the defense, you know, the defense did let the Colts score 23 points. Um, they weren't exactly shut down, but I feel like in the second half they stepped up when the offense, you know, failed to do so. We, that's when Miles Garrett had his safety. Uh, Ryan, we saw Ronnie Harrison get more snaps this week at that pick six, which was great. Uh, but I do feel like that defense stepped up. What do you think? No, totally. It was a tale of two halves, right? <laughs> like it was the offense in the first yeah. half. And the offense helped out the defense, uh, you know, by like almost kind of keeping the ball out of uh, Rivers' hands. And then in the second half, it was all the defense. You know, defense scored nine points, uh, which was absolutely huge, probably the difference in the game. And, uh, you know, Rivers basically gave you the seven, right, uh, on the one. Yeah. That, was pretty, that was pretty awful. But the safety and, you know, the defense – the defense of they're starting to get the scheme a little bit, right? Like the, this cover three and, and they're in cover three, cover four, a lot of zone, but they're in that Seattle cover three press bail a lot. And in the second half, they were a lot and they're starting to get it. Like you can see guys getting it. Like they really 
dared. I thought they dared Rivers to throw the ball deep. Like they yeah. played their safeties up. They played everything up and, and they kind of dared him to throw over the top. And he did it in the first half a couple times, but um, really wasn't able to do so in the second half. And when you can do that, you know, cut off that deep Not If you're not scared, the guy's going to go over the top of you, um, whether it be because his arm is not the same anymore or he's afraid to take that shot or whatever it is. Um, they played him that way, and, and it played off huge because their secondary was up. They took away the run game. Um, and they were just, they just looked like a totally different defense played with their hair on fire in the second half for sure. You know, how about Sheldrick Redwine comes in, played mm-hmm. 16 really good snaps at safety. That was shocking to me. Um, you know, Sendejo, I still, you know, I just can't, he, he just absolutely kills me every week, but, um, and he plays every single down. It's brutal. Uh, I wish that they could get, um, Ronnie Harrison and, uh, what's it? I, I'm losing my mind right now. Carl um, Joseph. Yeah, uh, Carl Joseph, healthy at the same time. So yeah. maybe they could get some day off the field. But I just get the feeling that uh, he's kind of uh, Wilson's guy, you know. Um, and if he's playing every snap, I just don't see him shying away from that. Maybe it's just the veteran uh, presence out there. You know, he's kind of he. You know, he caused a fumble the week before and everything, but. Their second half was terrific, I thought, defensively. Uh, they made some adjustments, uh, like moving up, making mm-hmm. him try to throw it deep. Um, and Garrett is absolute game record. I got So Garrett is the third dude in the next-gen era to have five-plus pressures in four straight games uh, wow. behind Vaughn Miller and Aaron, Aaron Donald. Isn't that remarkable? It, that's, it's wild, and, he, and he's been great. He's been great, and I love – it's weird how polarizing he is because you you there is a segment of Brown's Twitter that doesn't think he's like that effective. Have you seen that? Yeah, and, and it's ridiculous because you have no we have no idea, not even myself, but I mean you you watch we have no idea how much he's affecting that game. Like he affects the game in ways that that we have no idea uh, when you just watch it at first glance. You really have to dissect it to see at times how much he does affect the game. But he is a game wrecker, yes. and you can't always see it because of the double teams and the yep. attention paid to him and the plays, the little things he does just just uh, that draw attention of of the offense and things that they can't do because of his presence. Um, it just changes in a, a, a team's attack against you when you have a guy that's that good. Now, I, and I will say, you know, and I'm, I'm right there with you, and I think Miles Garrett is – he. I think he's on the fast track to win defensive player of the year personally, and I don't think anybody would argue against that. But I will say he has had the luckiest streak of going against injured offensive, or reserve offensive tackles. Yeah, Bobby, yes, Hart, yeah. Bobby Hart blows, so we can kind of count that, right? The Redskins offensive line blows in total, too. And in the last two weeks, the starting left tackle's been hurt for both squad. Or, you know, we had Anthony Constanzo and then Tyron Smith were both uh, both out. So he has had a good run of luck against going against reserves. But still, I mean, you know, what he's doing is just absolutely phenomenal. You know what I mean? Like, he, no matter who who his competition is, he's still going to dominate. He's been dominating no matter what who he's facing. But it is it is funny because when you look at it, you're like, oh wow, I forgot that you know that guy was out. Or oh yeah, Bobby Hart does suck. Like he's had four pretty yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. 
but the safety that's true i didn't even think about that actually that's a a great point but you know they move him around though a lot too i mean he's playing in the inside sometimes and everything so i mean he does a lot but you're absolutely right i didn't even think about that well you know it's that's that's how you gonna blame him Yes. That's the thing, though, is that that segment of Twitter or people that c- criticize his game are saying, well, look at who he's gone against. And that's true. I don't have an argument against that. But at the same time, what, you're going to be mad at him because of those guys being hurt? That's You know what I mean? It is what it is. What's he supposed to do? You can only play who you play, right? I mean, exactly. the same thing with the, when people say stuff about the schedule being weak or whatever. It's yeah, like exactly. you can only play who's on your freaking schedule. You can't. Exactly. You know? Exactly. It's just, a, it's just a run of good luck. But, you know, eventually, eventually – I mean, maybe even this week, we're going to see him go up against Villanueva. And, I mean, you know, he's rocked his world the last couple of years, too. So, and that's he a has, starting yeah. off the tackle who's, pro, you know, been had received Pro Bowl votes. So, it's not unhurt. I have no issue saying that I expect him to dominate this weekend as well. Uh, but back to the safety co- conversation, you did bring up a good point. Ronnie Harrison got some snaps before he got out with the concussion. And then Sheldrick Redwin, who I – Full disclosure, was so against them drafting. But he had a very, very nice game as well. Carl Joseph is always hurt. Andrew Sandehu, that is such a – that is a guy that I absolutely loved when they signed him. I like those guys, those workhorse guys. Like That's what I like Durant Johnson too. When you yeah. look at Sandejo, Sandejo was a guy that played – I think it was the United Football League for like the Sacramento Mountain Lions and like kind of made his way up and was just kind of a practice squad guy and just made the most of every opportunity. So I'm really rooting for him. But, dude, he's bad. He's he a liability. He's really bad. Uh, in every game, you see him get yeah. beat, and uh, I, I don't know if he's just like lost a step or, or what, but he seems really slow to react back there. Um, I know that it is a new scheme, probably for him too. Uh, so, and, and he's he's single high safety a lot yeah. um, in that in that cover three. So I, I don't know. You know, maybe that's part of the adjustment, but. You know, just sometimes he's just uh, he doesn't do a very good job of. Okay, so like I did a film breakdown, and, and my dad was a defensive coach, and he's the one that told me this is because I was showing it to him, and I was doing it on the cover. This the Seattle cover three press bail defense that they're playing a lot is fascinating, right? It's a really interesting uh-huh. defense because it's it's so rules based, right? And teams beat it by stressing those rules, right? And um. The, you know, I mean, there's there's cover three beaters that every team in the NFL will run, right? And the it's the you know he his job or a safety's job or a secondary player's job always in these zone defenses, especially this one, is to be looking for work, right? And he doesn't do a very good job of looking for work. Like a lot of times, he'll be there with no threat of anybody coming into his zone deep, and he doesn't move up and find work. You know what I mean? He lets the play develop in front of him or to the right of him or to the left of him uh, when he could be searching out that player. Do you know what I mean? And that's a lot of uh, what this is, that this scheme is, is a lot of like, you know, it's zone, but it's almost like uh, and in basketball terms, like a matchup zone, right? You play it like with a lot of man-to-man, um, uh, you know, aspects in, in this zone. But he he doesn't he struggles with that right like he's got to move on like okay there's nobody back here there's nobody running into my zone from the left side I got to find the next next player or the next work up in front of me and he doesn't do it um, and he lets a lot happen in front of him. 
You know, and it's it's funny too because he's so bad that the Redskins they had a little bit of success in the first half, right? I think Dontrell Inman had who's terrible. Dontrell Inman is a very below average receiver who's on his tenth team who had two touchdowns on him. They basically yeah. threw it right at Andrew Sandejo. Oh yeah, and yeah. Dwayne Haskins collapsed in the second half. I think it was a large part because they were. I think the defense adjusted. They're like, okay, they're picking on him, so now what to do? And then Haskins couldn't figure it out because they moved Sandejo around. Um, so I definitely see what you're saying. You know, he's a guy – you're talking about him losing a step, and he's getting up there long with the tooth. And he was a guy that didn't have a first step to give in the first place. Exactly, so I yeah. Totally, I could totally see that happen. I do think he's he's good technically. I think he knows where to go. He just isn't quick enough to go there. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And, and like I said, you know – um, it, it's an adjustment for everybody, certainly to, you know, when you bring in a new defensive coordinator. So, and, and he's from a, you know, when I, I wasn't even here, so, uh, yeah. I don't even know what they were running in Minnesota on defense, to be honest, but, um, I know it wasn't this. So we'll, well, he we'll was see step there too, because he was the starter and then he was the, he, he was the backup. And then and Anthony you know, Harris, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then some the other guy got hurt, and then he kind of saw some more playing time. He's always been kind of a fringe roster guy that you know shown that kind of showed up when needed. Um, but I wouldn't surprise me if we he has a game where he just shows up and is absolutely amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. I would. That wouldn't surprise me either, just because he's so fundamental, right? Yes, and- exactly. The thing about him is, is you wonder what they were thinking when the. It's an interesting point you make about him uh, being a fringe guy mm-hmm. there, and then he comes to Cleveland, and you wonder if he was going to be just depth, right? Um, oh yeah. Or was he always going to be a centerpiece like this because Delpit goes down for the season? So you probably would. Uh, you probably think that he probably wasn't going to play a whole ton. Um, but maybe he was, maybe it was going to be him and Delpit. I don't I have no idea. Uh, but, uh, you know, they seem to, I mean, he, he does not come off the field on defense. It's kind of frustrating. No, no they love him. It's yeah. so strange because they do yeah. love him. I hope he figures it out. But you, that brought up another, another interesting topic is that the, really the only issue that I saw with the Browns game, other than, you know, the defense kind of letting the Colts score too many points, I guess. Uh, and we talked about that in large part being the defensive backs. But Ronnie Harrison is, has a concussion. So I don't think that they've updated or, or made an announcement whether or not he's going to play. Wyatt Teller has a calf injury. He was missing half the, half the game. And then Baker Mayfield had some uh, had some rib issues and had to go get x-rays, I believe, today. Yep. So I don't think there's been any announcements on any of those guys. I think all three are expected to play. But, I mean, that is a little concerning. Baker Bayfield is extremely concerning. Wyatt Teller, I mean, we've seen Chris Hubbard go in there. Chris Hubbard's done a great job spelling, guys, which is wild. I mean, he, he was uh, forced into action against the Bengals on Thursday night when Jack yeah. Conklin was a game-time decision. Uh, and he played amazing. And the, the Bengals aren't – you know, they got a very competitive defensive line with Carlos Dunlap and the Sam Hubbard coming off the edge too. So Hubbard's done a great job filling that sixth lineman role. But we talked about Ronnie Harrison, how he provided the spark. I was hoping to see more of him. But, man, if those two guys can't play – or first of all, are you hearing anything? Am I overreacting? I mean, is there something that I missed perhaps? No, I don't think so. So with the concussion, I just assume, honestly, when a guy gets a concussion like that, um, especially on the defense, that he's probably going to miss the next week. Uh, They're usually pretty cautionary with that kind of stuff. So I would assume he doesn't play against Pittsburgh. 
uh, unless you know it was a something real light or whatever. Um, but they, but once again, you know, and you mentioned it too. I'm I'm with you in the same boat on red wine, right? Like I I was never real high on red wine, mm-hmm. and when we started to see him play a little bit in the preseason, and he got some snaps last year, I was kind of like, eh. Yeah, he, he doesn't really do it for me, but uh, he certainly played well yesterday, made a big play, um, and uh, I guess had like a PFF rating, uh, it, like really high for the some 16 snaps he was on the field. That's or whatever. So, so that's interesting. So maybe he gets forced into action and maybe that ends up being a real positive for the Browns. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, he hasn't gotten a chance because of Ronnie Harrison, uh, basically, to this point. So maybe he gets uh, in there against the Steelers and, and plays well. We'll find out about that. As far as Baker, I'm sure he'll play. I have no question about that, you know. Uh, I know the x-rays came back negative. Uh, yes. So, so he, you know, I'm sure he'll play and uh, where, you know, strap him up and make sure he's good in, in his midsection there around his ribs. Certainly painful. He was... Mm-hmm. Uh, he was doubled over there quite a bit at the end of the game. Um, yeah. And it's, I think he hurt his wrist as well. But I, I certainly think that he'll probably be okay to play. Um, and the other guy you mentioned was? Wyatt Teller. Oh, so that's that's brutal, right? And even though Chris Hubbard does a great job, Wyatt Teller has just absolutely come out of nowhere to be a, a absolute savage for them. So I don't know. Um, I would think it's the Steelers that he finds a way to get on the field. Uh, he seems like that type of guy. But when somebody says week to week, that's not usually uh, mm-hmm. that doesn't bode well, I don't think. So uh, mm-hmm. I, they could hold him out because of week to week. But I think he'll certainly try to do everything he can to get on the field. It's like a strained calf or something. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, he kept him out for the rest of the Colts game. So I mean, yeah. definitely is something to monitor. Every time he gets brought up, I had to toot my horn because when they made that trade, I was so stoked to get Wyatt Teller. This is a guy who absolutely body bagged people at Virginia Tech. Love to put people in the dirt. And I'm glad that we're kind of running an offense that really accentuates that ability for him. Uh, yeah. I agree with you on the Baker Mayfield rib thing. It's probably not a huge deal. He's probably going to suit up. It is something I, I am a little worried because Mayfield does like to run around a little bit. One more, you know, good pop there. And that could be, you know, we're talking about a couple games missed because that's kind of how he plays. Um, yeah. you're, I, I feel like you're probably, you're more right than I about, you know, maybe chilling out and he'll be, he'll be fine. He'll be a okay. They'll wrap it up and he'll be ready to go. Um, but moving on, let's talk about the upcoming Pittsburgh Steelers game. So now the Cleveland Browns are four and one. They're going to be traveling up to Pittsburgh facing the undefeated four and oh Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers are three and a half favorite. The total is 51. But before we get your uh, picks on that, let's break down the Steelers. I, I was kind of looking over their depth chart and looking over some stats and Joe Hayden's playing really well. Minka Fitzpatrick, obviously, he's an explosive safety. I don't, I don't think he's probably the best defensive back the Browns are going to face all year. Steven Nelson's been playing solid. Terrell Edmonds isn't he, – he's not playing bad either. This might be the best defensive backfield that we've seen all season. What do you think about that? Yeah, so here's the thing with the Steelers' defense, right? I think that probably – and, you know, everybody was making a big deal about the Colts' defense. I think that the Steelers' defense is probably better than the Colts' defense. All, really? You know, uh, from front to back, I, I think the Steelers defense is probably maybe with with New England uh, the the best in the league uh, right there. So I mean they're going to give certainly they now, now it was interesting to watch the Eagles play them right because yes uh, so 
If the Browns' offensive line can hold up, and I, you're talking a lot about their secondary, and you're absolutely right. They do have studs in the secondary, but teams have been able to throw on them um, a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, like, you know, I was surprised how well Wentz was able to move the ball on them through the pass game. So, and I don't, I don't know if they'll be able to run the ball on them as much. So I would think that if you can hold up and I think a lot of their defense is predicated on their pass rush. So like if you can just hold up that pass rush and they're going to use some different looks and some exotic blitzes and stuff like that. And if you can hold that stuff up and give your guys time to get through their routes, or maybe I think you can win in the, in the uh, defensive backfield on some of these guys, you know, Joe Hayden is a really solid corner, but in, in one-on-one situations and stuff like that, I mean, he's not going to, I don't, I think Landry can beat him. I think Beckham can beat him. So, I mean, I think that you can throw the ball on them if you're smart. Uh, I almost want them to approach the game in the same they did with the Colts, right? Like, yeah, be patient with the run, but let's try to neutralize their pass rush by doing some, you know, some little scheme up some stuff like Stefanski did. Tight end screen, you know, you know, look over here. We're going over there. That type of thing is what and, and that'll work a little bit to get them on their heels a little bit and then, you know, be patient with the run, but be willing to pass if you need to, which is certainly what they were ready to do against the Colts. Yeah, and I, you're definitely right. The strength of the Steelers' defense is definitely the pass rush. You know, T.J. Watt coming off the edge, Cameron Hayward sitting there, Stephon Tewitt. Those guys are all all playing really good ball right now. I guess I kind of put that second hand, though, because the Browns have actually had a pretty decent run of playing against dynamic pass rushers. I mean, the Washington Redskins, I know Chase Young was hurt. Yeah. I know Matt Ioannidis was hurt, but those guys still played, you know, the first half. Then you, they still had Montez Sweat, Ryan Kerrigan. Those guys are no joke. And the Bengals, no have, that's, that's the only good part of the Bengals' defense is Sam Hubbard and uh, uh, Carlos Dunlap coming off the edge. So I felt, I when I looked at that, I kind of thought, eh, I think that the Browns are going to be able to handle T.J. Watt and, um, oh, geez, what's the – the other linebacker from Kentucky, geez, I'm sorry, but you know Cameron Hayward, Stephon Tua, they're gonna. I feel like the Browns are gonna be able to handle that. But the defensive backs, what I was looking at in relation to what we've seen against the Redskins, the Bengals, uh, the Colts. I mean, the Colts defensive backs are okay, but you're talking about Kenny Moore, who, I mean, he got beat like a drum the week before against Darnell Moody, the undrafted Frazier from Tulane. Yeah. I mean, Rocky Sin is only in his second year, and, and I know you, you know his game very well. Kind of a big physical guy from Temple, he he can't keep up. I, I just I think that the Steelers' defensive backfield, you got guys like guy a guy like Minka Fitzpatrick just floating around doing what he wants. I thought that that might be a bigger X factor, uh, but I definitely see what you mean. You know, like you said, Carson wants to do for over 250 yards on him, and he's throwing to guys that used to be. Play, that were playing quarterback in college. So how about know, that Fulgham guy just absolutely blew up, right? Yeah, an yeah. incredible game by him. Um, yeah. But yeah, so um, I don't think you're wrong. Certainly, I think that their their uh, you know their secondary is very talented, and Mika Fitzpatrick is is fantastic. I just think that when it comes to run versus pass against them, well, I mean, certainly we're going to test their run, their, you know, their ability to stop the run. Um, but I, I just think they need to have that same approach as they kind of had this week where they're, they're willing to go to the pass game if they have to, if that's what's going to work. Um, cause I don't think that really anybody 
in the NFL, the way the NFL is right now, it, the offense has such an advantage. It's just like, okay, if you scheme it up right and you do it right and you play mistake-free football and your quarterback is is throwing the ball in the right place and look in the right places, you're going to be successful, um, you know, more than not. Oh, yeah. um, so, and kind of what they did to Indianapolis, I would very much come in with the same type of game plan, I think. I, I feel like that's fair. I feel like that's a fair game plan. And it should be noted that the Steelers barely beat the Philadelphia Eagles 38-29, and the Eagles are sitting at 1-3-1. And, and the, the Steelers have not had the mo- the toughest schedule despite being 4-0. So, you know, that, that defensive stats and everything that I'm looking at might be skewed a bit. So that should be noted. But you kind of brought up a good point about, you know, if you have a quarterback that's not taking – not forcing the ball, that's not creating turnovers, you have a good chance to win. So that brings us to our next point. Ben Roethlisberger <laughs> – and the Chase Claypool connection. That's, oh, wow. Yeah. That is scary. I mean, we knew that Big Ben was good. The rookie Chase Claypool, we all kind of knew he was good too, but we always take wide receivers, real rookie wide receivers. Who really cares, right? But man, he looked good. He looked good. He, he was the second rookie wide receiver in history to have two receiving touchdowns and one rushing touchdown since Joey Galloway. And he's the first player to do it overall since Cream Hunt in 2017. So, I mean, he's obviously off to a fantastic start. But what do you think? What do you think about this offense? Yeah, I mean, this offense is going to try to run the ball with Connor, right? And they're going to mix in a little bit of uh, Snell. And, uh, but uh, I don't, I think the Browns, I'm not really scared of their run game necessarily. Connor doesn't scare me. Uh, but certainly Claypool scares me. Uh, he, he, I thought he was legit coming out and it. It actually pissed me off when they took him in the draft. Uh, because I was like, I was like, crap, you know, that guy, cause he, he is a uh, DK Metcalf kind of like freakish speed size combo. Uh, yeah. he's the, he's a problem certainly. And it's like, they finally found a way to like get him off on Sunday right before they face the Browns. Right. So, uh, and they, you know, they have some talented wide receivers there. Uh, and if Claypool, you know, goes on and, and finds a way to be that number one, they all kind of slot in perfectly behind him, you know, cause Juju, I don't think Juju is a legit number one, but he's a great number two. Right. And then, you know, you got Deontay Johnson, you got James Washington to take the top off. So they're talented in the past game and Roethlisberger, um, who hasn't been outstanding or anything like that, but he's been good enough. Um, so uh, and the Brown, Browns uh, secondary, I wouldn't say, is like their strong suit by any means at this point. So uh, we'll see what happens. You know, the pass rush is going to be key. You can't give him time to throw. Uh, I think that uh, for the first time, one of the things that, that has been really nice for the Browns is they haven't had to, to bring a lot of blitzes to get pressure on quarterbacks, right, because their front four right. is so good. Um, I, I think that they may that may need to change a little bit this week. I'd like to see um, them kind of uh, scheme some stuff up and maybe send some blitzes just because I don't think you can let him sit back there and pick you apart. Yeah, I would agree with you. I, I do I do think that Big Ben has had a really good year. I know that he, he didn't throw an interception the last game. He's been he's been consistently over – I think he's been over 200 yards the last couple of games. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like he's dishing it pretty well. Uh, Deontay, yeah. The reason Chase Claypool kind of had his coming, in our, coming out party too is because Deontay Johnson was hurt. So yeah. I'm not saying I hope he's still hurt, but that would definitely help the Browns if they only have to scheme against Juju and Chase because um, – you know, as you said, Washington is good, but he's not somebody you have to scheme to stop. Claypool, 
Correct. Smith Schuster and even Deontay Johnson's speed, you do have to kind of scheme against that. That's three wide receivers that can be very scary. And like I said, Ben Roethlisberger is playing mistake free football. Now, I will say I agree with you 100% on the run game. It does not scare me at all. I think James Conner's an okay back. I think Benny Snell's an okay back. But we, we see, I mean, what, are, they, is the, are those running backs really better than the Colts, what we're seeing with the Colts? No, I don't think so. Do you? No, no, I don't think so. And, and, uh, um, I think that, you know, they're certainly going to incorporate the run game, but I think that the the Steelers aren't afraid to just pass it if they if they have to. If that's where they think your weakness is, that's where they're going to go. So, I think you're right. um, yeah, I think that uh, it'll be big to see who we have healthy and 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 you know the way they play in the second half. If they can just play, it's like the one thing they've done all year. You know, um, Josh is is they just have been able to kind of stay away from the big play and uh-huh. keep everything in front of them. And if you can make guys go on 10, 12, 15 play drives down to score and try to tighten it up inside the 30, right, um, I think that that plays to what they want to do. I, I don't think they're necessarily going out there trying to stop, but the more plays they can you know, let Miles Garrett and that front four wreak havoc on a pass, play uh the more chance they have for a, an interception or a fumble or something to happen and that's kind of what's happened they've been really opportunistic but they've made people work the ball down the field don't give up the big play and and, and take advantage of the mistakes when they're there yeah and i do think that the, the Steelers are kind of notorious for starting slow too i think they've gone like 22 straight games without scoring on the first drive and the browns seem like a team that are really they really thrive when they move fast and hard at the beginning i yeah. feel like it's kind of the attitude of the players, OBJ, Jarvis, Baker. They feel like they really get into it. So I think if the Browns can get up early, that might be one of the keys as well. Uh, but let's go ahead. Let's wrap this up. Let's get your prediction. So we talked about the spread. The Pittsburgh Steelers are favorites by three and a half, which to me, I was kind of shocked by that number. But, you know, the Steelers are undefeated is in Pittsburgh, and they are allowing fans in the stands. So what's your take? Who are you taking? Well, how many fans are they letting in? Do you know? I have no idea. I have no idea. I think – is this their first game with fans? No, they had they, because they played at home last week against the Eagles, and they had fans. I did not even notice. I, I did not notice, and I watched a game. Maybe I had it on mute or something. I, I always end up listening to, like, podcasts and radio and stuff when I'm doing that stuff. So maybe I didn't notice. But, uh, well, yeah, that's anyway, interesting. Even when they didn't have fans, they were pumping in the crowd noise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it makes a big difference, though. Certainly, at least in Cleveland, I think our fans made an absolute huge difference. I mean, it's just yeah. a total different energy for sure. You can yeah. you can f- even feel it on TV. I think the difference. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so my prediction is going to be: I'm going to go ahead and say that uh, I'm actually going to take the Browns, um, and I'm going to take them uh, 31-28. 31. Oh, wow. So you think they're, they're going to hit that over 51 then, huh? I do. I do think that it will be a uh, uh, somewhat high-scoring affair, not like uh, anything crazy, but I think that uh, both teams will be able to move the ball on each other. Uh, I think we'll see a couple turnovers from the Browns and probably a couple turnovers from the Steelers. Um, I think it'll be a fun game, and I, I got the Browns winning by three. Wow. Uh, you know, I completely agree with you with the over. We talked a lot about the passing games. Usually when people talk about the passing games, that usually means that the over is going to hit. The Browns hit the over the last couple games too. Um, you know, we talked about the defense being great, but they're not stopping people. They're not completely shutting anybody down. So I don't yeah. expect to stop the Pittsburgh Steelers either. 
With that said, I do not have the balls to take the Cleveland Browns, even though they are getting a field goal in the hook. That is awfully enticing. Gun to my head. I'm not putting money on this game, but I, if forced to, I would take the Pittsburgh Steelers. I just, I, I maybe I'm just a pessimist, but it's so hard for me to believe that the Cleveland Browns <clears throat> be, they're going to be five and one. Yeah, I, I understand completely. Um, because let's see, when, when did I, I, I took the Cowboys, unfortunately, in that, in that one. Uh, I took the Cowboys in that game and, and regretted it. But um, I I think I've seen enough of the Steelers where for the first time in some period of time, and this is probably going to sound weird, but Josh, they don't scare me. I don't know. They don't scare me. I feel like the Browns are physical enough up front on both sides of the ball that they can compete with them physical-wise. Like, we used to see the Steelers just beat up on the Browns physically, right? I don't think that physical advantage is there this year. I feel like our our offensive line is as physical as anybody. Uh, Our front four is as talented as anybody's front four. So when you talk about in the trenches, I think they're just uh, right there with them, and I think that that'll be a really good battle. But I, it doesn't scare me the same way. So if you if you draw like a a comparison of hey, you know, the Steelers are just going to beat the crap out of, of a team and beat them up that way, I just don't see that happening anymore with this team. Yeah, and the Browns are definitely better than the Philadelphia Eagles, and the Steelers didn't beat the crap out of you know. I mean, that was kind of. Right. Yeah, it was up and down. They moved the ball. Um, I think you can still – you're right about Roethlisberger, but I think you can force him into mis- some mistakes. Uh, it's, you know, I don't know um, as far as the pass rush goes. I think this is probably the best pass rush they'll face all year, so we'll see what oh, happens yeah. there. And uh, and I think it'll be a test for, for both teams, certainly. But it's interesting how this has happened for the Browns, you know, Josh, and I know you got to go here, but it's interesting no, how their level of competition has just kind of uh, like baby stepped its way up, right? So you started with what uh, Cincinnati, and then Washington, and then the Cowboys, mm-hmm. and and each each week it's gotten a little bit better and a little bit better. And the Colts were a real test, but I think this is even more of a test. Uh, but I think they pass again, in my opinion. You know what's funny too is when the when the Browns beat the Bengals. First of all, the Browns didn't beat the spread. Second of all, the Bengals. I mean, I, I, I know that I know that you were concerned as well. I think all people that everybody that watched the Browns were slightly concerned that a rookie quarterback on a short week threw for you know threw sixty times and was almost beat us. I mean, right? I mean, but I think we were all just psyched to see the Browns win that we kind of ignored it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that. Uh... That game is a little bit misleading. I mean, they did drop back and throw it 60 times, which I, yeah. I kind of was like, eh, that can't be what they wanted to do going into that game, right? Not what I so, so um, yeah, and, and, you know, you really have to take, I think, the beginning of the season, you have to take the, the, the lack of preseason, the lack of practice time into account, especially for teams like the Browns. Um, with a new coaching staff where, like, they're just kind of getting into this now. And, man, does coaching make a difference. Just I've just been – I cannot say enough about how impressed I've been with Stefanski. Um, like, take uh, Hollywood Higgins, fan favorite, for instance, right? He hasn't played all year. 
He has been on the active, but hasn't dressed. He finally gets a chance to dress, has a great game, but you, but he holds no grudges. He comes out in the media and is just talking about what a great leader Stefanski is and how he's everything that they've needed and, and all that stuff. And like, he's been sitting every week. Like, so they're by the buy-in is there. I mean, the buy-in is there with a guy who hasn't even dressed until week, what five. And, And, and then he finally gets the ball and he still bought in all the way on that. I mean, he's doing something right in that building. And I feel really good about, um, his play calling, his plan of attack is organized. And for the first time, I feel really confident in where they are going leadership wise with the court, with the coach, pardon me. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you. I, I'm with you. Like I said, since that Bengals game, it looks like I'm those wins since they've been convincing. I you know I've they've done nothing to make me falter or think that they are a fake team. I think that they're ready to compete. I, I like what you said too. They look like a team with a goal. They 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 the game script is organized. Even if they lose this game on Sunday, I'm not going to be upset because I know that Stefanski is going to call the level of game that I'm going to walk away being like, okay, I know what they tried to do. It didn't work out. Shit happened. With Freddie Kitchens, and I liked Freddie Kitchens. They should have never hired him, and I said that from the very get-go. They shouldn't have hired him. It was a bad idea. I think he was an attitude guy who gets player. He's he's one of those player coaches. Like, like, uh, do you remember, uh, was was it Wizenhunt in Pittsburgh? Yeah, mm-hmm. when he coached the Pittsburgh Panthers, he was those guys. He would recruit local dudes, and every now and again, they would win a big game. But yep. it's not sustainable. <laughs> they would no, you know, it's not. Win, yeah, they always went to that bowl game like right before Christmas, the Holiday Bowl or whatever. It's just not. Yeah. You can't do that, and it's especially when you take a guy that was calling offensive plays for eight games. So it's really unfair for us to criticize Freddie Kitchens so harshly. But dude, the guy was terrible. It was terrible. Yeah. He was wishy-washy. There was no plan. He was calling plays like he was a 13-year-old playing Madden. It was just bad. Stefanski has a much more clear game plan. And for the record, and Adam Morrill will back me up on that, will also attest to this, I didn't want to hire Kevin Stefanski either. I was too turned off of him too. But Neither, neither did I, honestly. I, I wanted to go with Josh McDaniels um, at the time. but uh, And uh, but I, I have been nothing but impressed since he's been yeah. here, though. So Yeah, it's been great. It's been great. But I do appreciate you coming on. Uh, you're taking the Cleveland Browns. I'm taking the Pittsburgh Steelers, unfortunately. Uh, and I, like I said, you got a, a couple big shows coming up. So I hope everybody goes out and listens to All, all Eyes on Cleveland. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm interested in seeing what the Ike Taylor has to say. And I appreciate you coming on, man. Of course, Josh. Anytime. My pleasure. And uh, you do a great job and a uh, big fan of all your work. And so thanks for having me on. Anytime, man. Absolutely. You want to tell everybody they can follow you on Twitter? Yeah, absolutely. Follow me Follow me on Twitter at Ward on Sports and go to alleyesoncleveland.com or listen to it where all popular podcasts are found. Awesome. And this was the Browns Wire Podcast, and we are out.
is your Wendy's wake-up call. Start your day with a better breakfast and get a free drink with any of our morning-making breakfast sandwiches. That's your favorite drink in a Wendy's cup, free. Fresh brewed coffee, free. Diet Coke, free. Vanilla Frosty Chino, that's cold brew plus Frosty Creamer plus free. So don't sleep on this deal. Get any size drink in a Wendy's cup, free, when you buy any breakfast sandwich. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. Limited time only at participating Wendy's. On the card only. Offer valid upon request on lowest price qualifying item. Not valid for third-party delivery. If you design, engineer, build, or maintain buildings in California, you can get free technical training, continuing education credits, and prepare for a range of certifications through PG&E's online classes. Enroll at pge.com slash training.